Hello, Sumners. Yes, the song name is Darude Sandstorm, and welcome to League of Legends Radio. I'm your host, Ponderous Sea Lion, and each week you can join us for a new show where we'll be discussing everything League of Legends, whether it be patch notes, esports, any articles that come out, solo queue adventures, and of course, interviewing content creators. Our featured guest for this week is History Teacher. This guy's an actual history teacher, and he's master tier in League of Legends, which he was my teacher. We've got that interview and a whole lot more on this episode of League of Legends Radio, so stay tuned. Hello, Summoners. Ponderous Sea Line here for ImproveYourLeague.com. ImproveYourLeague.com is the best tool on the internet for getting better at League of Legends. It's got over 4,000 categorized videos from the best content creators on YouTube, easy to reach at your fingertips, so go check it out. ImproveYourLeague.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of League of Legends Radio. I'm joined this week by History Teacher. He's Master Tier in League of Legends, and he's an actual History Teacher. If you enjoy hearing him, you can follow him on Twitch at www.twitch.tv slash History Teacher. History Teacher, thank you so much for being on the show. And what would you say is one of the best things that you can be doing in all ELOs to improve your game, no matter whether you're Master or Bronze? Just something you can be doing to get better at League of Legends. Uh, there's two things that immediately pop to mind. Number one is find a couple of champions that you enjoy playing. Uh, emphasis on enjoy. When you enjoy playing a champion, it'll make you want to get better at it because it'll be fun for you. And League of Legends is about having fun. So whether you're Master or Bronze, um, playing a champion you enjoy is something that'll help out. And number two would be try and always uh, figure out what you can do better by saying it out loud. So like, say, oh, I shouldn't have ganked just then, or oh, I shouldn't have gone for that CS, or oh, I should have backed earlier. If you talk out loud to yourself, it helps you be critical, and it tells you about things that you can fix for future games, no matter what ELO you're at. What would you say is important about saying it out loud? What about that? Does it just solidify it in your mind, what you need to be doing? Uh, if it's a, it's a little bit different than thinking it, because for most people, if you say it out loud, you also hear it. So it's running through your mind, and at the same time, you're also hearing it. Uh, and that's one thing that I've noticed by streaming is that when I'm telling people what I'm doing, not only does it help the viewer, but it also helps me too, which is why I get better is because I can hear what I'm doing. And then like, as I'm walking back to land, I'm like, damn, that was actually really stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so it definitely helps a lot. Has streaming made you a better player then in that regard, since you're pretty much narrating everything you're doing? Uh, generally, yeah. I mean, every streamer has their own way of streaming, so not everybody does commentary necessarily, but overall streaming has helped me because it's it's made me realize a lot of things that I do wrong regardless of the role that I'm playing. One thing I've noticed when I am watching your stream is that you rarely seem to get down on yourself or I mean you'll say that you made a mistake but it feels like you're never really tilting. Uh, what are your tips to prevent tilting when you're playing? <laughs> well that, that takes a little bit of practice sometimes because uh, tilt I think applies to pretty much any game that you can play. So um, there's a couple of different things. One is if you play a lot of games in general. Like, if you keep playing League games, and you're the kind of person who, you know, has been playing League for a while, you get kind of used to the fact that you are going to lose, no matter what, no matter how good you are uh, in any ELO. Like, obviously, if you're a Master player at Bronze, you're going to win, like, 90% of your games. There's a chance that you're going to lose, and you just got to remember that. Uh, if you get, like, I'm in my Master's promos right now. If I lose three games in a row and I lose my promos, I'm going to be like, damn, that sucks. But you got to realize that there's a chance that's going to happen, and if it does, it's not the end of the world. 
you're going to get back there eventually if you're good enough. You just got to remember it's not a big deal. And if, what I do is if I feel myself tilting, you got to recognize it. You got to be able to recognize that you're tilting. It's And when you talk out loud, the more pissed you get, the more you realize you're tilting. And then you just <laughs> yeah. take a break. That is what I do. Yeah, right. I, I recently lost my, I think it was Plat 4 promos like five times in a row until I finally won them. And I think it was important for me to not tilt otherwise because i just kept getting back in the promos and then going like one and two and i was getting really close to just tilting and giving up on those promos for like a month or whatever but i think if you just keep sticking with it and again like you were saying just understanding how to lose because i think that's been the biggest thing to help me prevent tilt is to just understand how to lose yes losing is part of the game and as long as you can take something from it there's nothing wrong with losing it doesn't matter who you are what champ you're playing what role you can always learn something from losing. Could you give me a quick rundown of what you think some of the biggest differences, not necessarily mechanically, but just in the mindsets of, say, a Master Tier versus a Silver player? What are the things that the Master Tier is doing that the Silver players aren't? Okay. Um, well, I play basically every role, so I'll just say we'll go from the, the point of a laner, pretty much, uh, whether you're mid, top, AD carry, whatever. Um, a couple of big things that you always need to be cognizant about are um, level advantages. So if you see that they come to lane late and they miss a creep, you're going to hit level 2 one creep ahead of them. And if you're a champ who can abuse that, then you really want to try and get that extra creep really fast. And it's just small things like that. Like That's something small that you might not see in silver that you can take advantage of because you can hit like a level 2 power spike, you know, insert cutie pie Lucian joke here. <laughs> yeah. And you, but you can actually really take it. The reason that it's so funny is because you can actually take advantage of that power spike and use it to, you know, either get a kill or push them out of lane and then freeze lane. And then you can win an entire lane just off of that one thing. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing would be uh, knowing or being comfortable with your champion and knowing the matchup is another one. So, for example, I like to play the champion Fiora. And she has a lot of matchups that aren't the best for her. So you got to figure out what you can do in those matchups. So against like a Malphite or a Scion, those are two very tanky champions that are extremely hard to play as. I have to know, I have to respect that and know that I kind of have to make it a farm lane when I don't usually enjoy playing like that. Uh, it's either I make it a farm lane or I die a lot. So <laughs> you got to you gotta be yeah. smart. Like I know some people just want to go ham 24-7 or they want to be passive 24-7. You can't do that. You got it. Like if you're playing Renekton, you're a lane bully. You got to use that. You can't just let the other person free farm when you're playing a lane bully. So you got to understand the champion you're playing, and that's why I say play a champion you enjoy because you'll be able to figure out whether they're strong or weak in certain parts of the game. How important would you say it is to be able to adjust your playstyle on the fly by learning your matchups? If you're getting camped, you have to play around that. How would you say, how difficult is that to do, first of all, and how important is it? Since there's a lot of different matchups, depending on what you're playing, it'll get tough to get like used to every single matchup, so it's not important to learn, you know, your champ versus 50 different other ones. It's That's not how it works. You know, just learn, like, you know, five or ten of the most basic matchups that you see yourself playing against all the time, because it's going to happen in solo queue, because some champs are really popular. So I'd say it's fairly important, but you also just got to learn, like, you got to recognize that sometimes if you're ahead or what you need to do, you can, like, roam when you're ahead, or you have to make decisions. Like, so when you're ahead, you can either roam, you can keep pushing the lane and shitting on your uh, turret, or shitting on the, your laner, and then you can go get the turret. You have to kind of like weigh your options. Like if your team's getting stomped four v five or four v four, 
sometimes you have to go roam to help them out, even though you might lose your turret. You kind of have to think to yourself, look at what helps me or helps the team the best right now. And you have to kind of, and learning your matchups will help you decide that constantly, nonstop. Would you say that the saying things out loud tactic that you were mentioning to avoid tilt is also good for things like that? Like just saying out loud to yourself, okay, well, my team is losing 4v4, so I have to weigh my options here. I could either stay and keep my tower, or I could roam and help them and maybe take a dragon, but I'll lose my tower. Would you say that the speaking out loud thing is important for that as well? Yeah, I'd say it's important because it, it forces you, like I said, instead of just running it through your mind, it forces you to have to say, it makes you accountable is what it does. And like if you say out loud, my team needs my help, should I go help them at Dragon or should I stay in lane? And then you don't help them in Dragon and then they get pooped on 4v4. You made that decision and you said it out loud so you know you thought about it. You can't just let yourself squirm away uh, <laughs> after making that decision. But if you make the right decision, like if you say, I'm going to stay in lane because I think my team can 4v4 uh, because we're doing well, and if I stay in lane, it'll be more helpful to get the tower, and then your team wins the 4v4, it encourages you for making the right decision that you already said out loud previously. So it can also help you be positive about what you've been doing. Right, and what you said about holding yourself accountable is interesting. Like, I know, I guess that closest thing I can equate it to is if I'm watching like a game show and I'm floating between two answers in my mind and I don't really know which one's right and then he, you know the host says the answer and I'm like oh yeah I was totally thinking that <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of the same thing whereas if you're you know watching with your family and you say uh it's Bob Barker and then it ends up being something else you're like you can't really there's no way to avoid the responsibility of being wrong there so is that kind of what you're talking about yeah pretty much that's, that's actually a pretty good uh Good tangent you put it on, so yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> what would you say has been one of the most rewarding parts about streaming? Um, I would say it actually puts me in a better mood. I try and stream when I'm already in a good mood to begin with, um, and when I'm like not tired or anything, because that's when I'm you know the most into it. But I would say that it encourages me to be in a better mood, not because I want to put on like a persona for people, but just because like when I'm playing League. And I do something stupid, you know, like all these people are making fun of me, and they're <laughs> and I, I just got partnered, so I'm gonna have a an emote. Oh, I you got partnered? Tomorrow. I just got partnered like yesterday. Awesome. Yep. So, uh, you know, and you got these people making fun of you, and they're all they saw you missed this this four separate skill shots. They're like, oh my god, you suck, and you're just like, you know what? You're very right. I do. Um, but it helps me be more just, like, uh, silly about things and to, like, to, to just keep trying, but at the same time, you know, respect the fact that it is a game. You're there to have fun unless you are one of, you know, 40 or 50 pros in North America or 40 or 50 pros in Europe or wherever you are. So you got to learn to, you know, just take it easy. And streaming definitely helps with that for me. Not all streamers. There's some streamers who are grumpy. But for the most part, I'd say most streamers tend to behave on stream or are mellow. Right. Right, because, I mean, if you go into a chat that has a grumpy streamer, as you put it, the chat is 90% of the time just spamming PJ Salt, PJ Salt, PJ Salt at them. Usually, and some people enjoy watching it. There's nothing, I mean, I get salty just like the next person sometimes. When something happens, and I'm like, God damn, I was, can you stop camping me? Like, and they'll, people will make fun of you for that, but it, you know, it's it's still lighthearted. Yeah, yeah. Um, What would you say has been either one of the most fun or one of the most interesting or 
just one of the most, I guess, memorable fan interactions you've had, either on stream or off stream or just whenever? Hmm, fan interactions. I think uh, I've had a couple of times where I've been doing viewer ARAMs, and I've had people, like when you do viewer ARAMs as a streamer, people will tend to focus you, you know, whether you're a guy or a girl streamer or you're whatever. You know, it's your stream, so people tend to focus you. So I have had times where I've talked up a lot of shit before the viewer ARAM, we're in loading screen, like, you know, I'm going to, we're going to dominate you guys, there's not a chance in the world, like, I could have four bronze fives on my team, you guys could all be challengers, I'm, I'm amazing, we're going to beat you. And as I'm talking crap, I look over on the screen, and somebody donates, like, $3, right, you know, the basic donation, and says, hey, you know, if you kill History Teacher 10 or 15 times, I'll donate $20, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. Well, these guys, like, I'm I'm so confident. There's no way these guys can kill me 15 times. Well, it turns out they have a much better ARAM team, you know, all these <laughs> long-range folks. Yeah. And these guys s- prevent the game from winning. Like, they're purposely trying to <laughs> elongate the game just to kill me. And I can't win. I'm playing a champ. I don't even know how to play. And I've never played before because it was Rek'Sai. This is, like, right when Rek'Sai came out. And I couldn't carry the ARAM because I, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I, I was trying to force the game to be dumped, but I couldn't because I was so bad on Rek'Sai. And these, these, <laughs> these guys kept poking me with, like, Jace Q and Zareth Q in spawn. Like, I can't go anywhere. I'm using tunnels and shit trying to get out, but for some reason, you know, just one of the viewers put a bounty on my head, and I, I couldn't do anything about it. Like, obviously, they'd be like, oh, you know, you want $10 or $20, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, but at the same time, when I talk a lot of crap, I like to back it up. There's no, You can't put a price on your own pride. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Can you give me some examples of historical references in League of Legends? Uh, yeah, there's quite a few. Um, for starters, my personal favorite is Nunu has a quote that is something goes something along the lines of, um, I think it's like, speak softly and ride a big yeti. And uh, that has to do with a quote that uh, refers to Teddy Roosevelt, which is walk softly and carry a big stick. And it's like a direct, you know, things that comics would make about Teddy Roosevelt. Um, Another one would be references to Pantheon. Pantheon is just a walking history reference, pretty much. (laughs) He's like, you know, you're you're run-of-the-mill Sparta guy. Um, And there's actually a couple of quotes here and there that I can't think of, like, off the top of my head. But there's definitely, they do slip in some actual historical references here and there. Uh, like, um, Siren or Mythic Cassiopeia is, you know, a reference to, like, I think it's, like, Greek gods and stuff like that. So they're, they're, they're hidden, sparsed out around. I personally have always enjoyed history, and I really appreciate when they put in things like that. Like Heimerdinger, I guess it's not really a historical reference, it's more of a literary reference, but Heimerdinger always making references to 42, like in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And just things like that make the game a little bit more fun to play. And just more interesting, because every time you discover something new like that, I think that that's just really exciting to see something, two things that you like coming together in an unexpected way. Hello, Summoners. Ponderous Sea Line here for ImproveYourLeague.com. ImproveYourLeague.com is the best tool on the internet for getting better at League of Legends. It's got over 4,000 categorized videos from the best content creators on YouTube. Easy to reach at your fingertips, so go check it out. ImproveYourLeague.com.
Hello, everyone. Ponderous Sea Line here. Thank you for downloading the first episode of League of Legends Radio. We just had a great interview with History Teacher. I'd like to thank him so much for being on the show. And I'd like to talk about an article called The Ballad of the Support, NALCS Pro's First Impressions of Bard by Taylor Riot Roboteco Coke. All the pros seem to agree that Bard definitely has some of the highest utility of any champion ever released. I mean, there's literally no other ability like his ultimate. It's pretty much Zonia's, but it hits everything. While the LCS does run a couple patches behind, and he's not going to be available to be played for a couple weeks, I think that he could definitely be a big pickup for pros. Let's see what some of their first impressions of him are. Dodo, the support from Team 8, says, When I first saw Bard, I just wanted to be a Bard main. His kit has so much outplay potential. Some people call it troll potential, but I see him as a really good playmaking support, which... I love playing, and I think that's really accurate. I think that Bard is going to have some of the best playmaking potential of any other supports, except maybe Thresh, just because both of them bring such massive utility to the table. I think that Bard's kit is just so unlike anything else League has ever seen that it's going to be really interesting to see what all the pro players do with him and how they react to such a different champion. I think that a good example to go to is Gnar. Gnar, when he was first released, I don't think any of the pros saw him having the competitive viability that he has today as one of the best top laners in the game simply because it was thought that his unpredictable transformations were going to be too much of an inhibitor for the consistency that pros like to see. They like the Orianna pick. They like the Corky pick. They like those champions that are consistent and can be played in roughly any team comp. Like, there's no team comp that Orianna doesn't fit into. Nar was not seen as that. He was seen as an unpredictable champion who was sort of out of control as far as his transformations went, but as soon as they learned how to, I guess, control him and how to maximize his strengths, their potential, he ended up being one of the best top laners in the game. So I think that much the same thing could happen to Bard. So let's see what some of the other pros have to say about him. Uh, Expecial on a different note says that Bard just has the potential to make game-changing plays and that he is reminded of Lulu. When Lulu first came out, she was difficult to lane because there were so many lane bullies. But once people figured her out, people could do really well with her. She did really well in team fights, and I feel like that's where Bard will excel as well. Forever the kind of player to take on the toughest challenges, Aphromoo immediately recognized Bard as a tough one. The CLG support says he's going to be one of the highest skill cap champions for a support just because you have offensive and defensive capabilities on almost all of your abilities. He's going to be super hard to play. I think that from what I've seen of Bard, I haven't actually played any games on him, but just from what I've seen, he doesn't seem too mechanically difficult to play more than any other support. I think that Bard is definitely going to test your game knowledge and shot calling, because knowing when to leave your ADC alone to go roam and pick up chimes, maybe get a gank off mid, knowing when you want to use your ultimate, that thing has so many uses, it's just going to be crazy difficult to know exactly how to use it in every situation, but I definitely think it's going to be one of the strongest ultimates in the game just because of its versatility and what it actually does. Being able to place Baron under stasis is huge. That's going to be one of the most difficult to use and hard to master abilities in the game, but I think it also has some of the biggest, like Expecial was saying, biggest playmaking potential. Dodo also says, For supports right now in competitive, you want to get into the enemy jungle and get vision control but some supports don't have the escape abilities to get out quickly. Bard has the magical journey. Right now, the jungler and support always roam together, and they can use it to get around the map really easily. If you watch competitive, you'll know that a lot of supports like to roam early with the jungler, just like Dodo mentioned. And since Bard is, of course, built almost around roaming, I think that he's going to fit into their 
support roaming metagame quite well. There's also the prevalence of 2v1 lanes early, where the top laner will go against the bot lane and, you know, the top laner will tag along with the jungler or whatever they want to do early game to get an advantage. And so I think the bard is also going to excel at that because the ADC gets some free uh, experience. Bard can do what supports always want to do in Rome. He even gets a little bit of experience from it for his chimes. And I think that he's actually going to fit really well into their current metagame, but we'll see when he gets released. The article also states that the fact that he can run around the rift so easily is good, uh, particularly because most pros aren't convinced he's going to be the strongest laner. Notably, according to Expecial, he'll struggle in standard lanes because he's got so many utility spells and so little damage. The more damage a support has, the easier it is to play in lane, he explains. It's all about killing the other people, but when you have utility skills, it's about trading, it's all about using your skills effectively, and it's a bit harder. So, that again goes with the decision-making capabilities of the bard player. When do you trade? When do you roam? Since he can't probably win very many straight 2v2 matchups. So it's going to be interesting to see if any really good bard players come out in the pro scene. As for bard's ultimate, which is probably his most interesting spell and the one that has people talking the most, Aphromoo says, I think his ult is one of the most situational spells. For example, you can hit the enemy team while they're doing Baron to allow your jungler to smite it. In team fights, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I either stun their whole team and we can set it for an engage, or I prevent big damage on my own team. It's going to be a pretty hard ability to use. Mirroring that, X-Special points to its flexibility, but also the way that it could screw over your own team. The point of his ult is that it can do anything. I see that as really punishing. If you land it incorrectly, if you land it at the wrong time, it can really affect both sides of the team fight. If you're Leona, you can either land your ult or you miss it. That's the worst case scenario, but with this, you can screw up your whole team, your whole engage. It has a lot of potential, though. Dodo thinks of the ability a bit more defensively than his CLG and Team Liquid counterparts. I think it's more of a disengage tool, because they don't take damage during it, he says, but you could set up other ultis or CC with it. Other, more experienced teams might be able to counterplay that really well, though, so... For me, I think it should be used more defensively. Aphromoo also says, For me, personally, I do like to play the harder champions in the game, so I'll probably play Bard a lot. I want to see if he's capable of being LCS-worthy. I'm not so sure if we'll see Bard in the LCS, but I think that he definitely has the potential to be played on the big stage. Yeah, I thought that was a really good article. It actually answered a lot of the questions I had about whether or not the pros were going to see Bard as competitively viable. I personally believe that he is going to see play on the big stage, but uh, we'll see. That was The Ballad of the Support, NALCS Pro's First Impressions of Bard by Taylor Riot Roboteco Coke. If you guys have any ideas for an article that you'd like me to see, if you'd like to hear about it on the show, just shoot me an email at ponderousclion at gmail.com. We'll be back to wrap up this week's episode of League of Legends Radio right after this. Hello Summoners, Ponderous Sea Line here for ImproveYourLeague.com. ImproveYourLeague.com is the best tool on the internet for getting better at League of Legends. It's got over 4,000 categorized videos from the best content creators on YouTube. Easy to reach at your fingertips, so go check it out. ImproveYourLeague.com. Radio. We're about to wrap everything up here, but before we go, I'd like to mention something that I think everyone should be doing in their solo queue games. Upgrade your trinket. It's only 250 gold. 
And really, you can't put a price on vision. Uh, <laughs> upgrading your trinket, definitely the best way to win solo queue games. It gives you a free ward every 60 seconds, and really insanely powerful if you think about it. When asked about what the most OP item in the game was, SKT back in Season 3 said wards were the most OP item in the game. And I think I have to agree with them because... I think 9 games out of 10, the game, the team with the better vision control is going to win the game. So definitely upgrade your trinkets. I'm Ponder Sea Line, and I'll catch you on the flippity. On the flippity flop. On the flop flippity. We'll, we'll see you. Bye, guys.